0: Welcome to week five of our eight-week church-wide study, Something Has to Change. For those of you that don't know me and may be wondering who who the newbie providing the message up front is this morning, my name is Landon Tweeten. I enjoy serving on the worship teams and helping at D6 with the middle school and high school small groups. The first four weeks of our study have done a great job setting us up for our topic today, opportunities. But my title for my sermon is Priorities, Gifts, and opportunities. It's a transition from hearing about needs and neighbors into a call or nudge to action and doing something about the gifts we've been given. We've heard and reflected over the last few weeks about some of the very real physical needs people face, whether in our local towns, our state, our country, or the remote villages of the Himalayan mountains. We've heard about the importance of meeting the spiritual needs of all we encounter that they would know the salvation Jesus offers and the despair without him. And we've discussed how in some circumstances it can be a struggle to determine which of those types of needs is more important, more critical to address. Finally, last week, we looked in-depth at the Good Samaritan parable to give us insight into the who our neighbor is that we're called to love others. As we do ourselves. the conviction we should of which should make us all realize that something in our hearts has to change if we're not willing to care for or love everyone regardless of our relationship our history our prejudices we may have with them which leads to one stark question what does this confrontation mean to us and how do we move forward with this conviction and the call to action that we're given As we look at that question and many other questions that confronted me while contemplating what to put in the message this morning, if you'd like to open your Bibles, we'll be exploring Luke chapter 12 to find the responsibility we're given. The first part of Luke 12 that we're going to look at are verses 13 to 21. This section is titled, The Parable of the Rich Fool. It reads, Someone in the crowd said to him, Teacher, tell my brother to divide the inheritance with me. Jesus replied, Man, who appointed me a judge or arbiter between you? Then he said to them, Watch out and be on your guard against all kinds of greed. Life does not consist in an abundance of possessions. And he told them this parable. The ground of a certain rich man yielded an abundant harvest. He thought to himself, What shall I do? I have no place to store my crops. Then he said, This is what I'll do. I will tear down my barns and build bigger ones. And there I will store my surplus grain. And I will say to myself, You have plenty of grain laid up for many years. Take life easy, eat, drink, and be merry. But God said to him, You fool, this very night your life will be demanded from you. Then who will get what you have prepared for yourself? This is how it will be with whoever stores up things for themselves, but is not rich toward God. Again, as I said at the beginning, we're going to talk about opportunities today. But the first thing that sticks out to me from this parable is priorities. I love the way the King James Version translates the interaction. Verse 13 is And one of the company said unto him, Master, speak to my brother that he may divide the inheritance with me. Now, this may seem like a slightly odd request of Jesus to oversee dividing an inheritance. But in that time, the rabbis would settle disputes within the Jewish society. So this man was coming forward, recognizing Jesus as a teacher of Israel. However, Jesus sees the man's heart and declines to be drawn into the situation. Instead, Jesus makes a bit of an example to the man to caution the crowd against greed, which is one translation of the Greek word apistia. Again, in the King James Version, we see another translation of the word apistia in verse 15 as Jesus speaks. And he, which is Jesus, said unto them, Take heed and beware of covetousness. For a man's life consisteth not of the abundance of the things which he possesseth. Right? So covetousness. It's not just a greed and wanting to hold on to things, but it's that wanting to hold on to it above all other things. Caring about that as your biggest priority. So Jesus is warning us against wanting more than we may have or more than we're owed. But he's also providing a bit of insight that our life is worth more, way more, than the stuff that we have. But this man's heart betrays his intentions and his desires because his priorities are not well placed. Next, in the parable, Jesus talks about a rich man that's more concerned about expanding his storage from an abundant harvest than he is doing something with that surplus for the community around him. This rich man is focused on building up his barns, this wealth of his own, and almost preemptively congratulating himself on a lush retirement years. He's planning for when he takes life easy, eating, drinking, and having a merry old time. This daydream seems like a great plan for him, and maybe his family, but what is he doing with this God-given blessing, this abundant harvest for his neighbor? This rich man is so focused on his own wealth and selfish ambition That when God steps in with the reality check, nobody wants to hear, but we do need to hear occasionally, it begs the question of what opportunities are we not seeing God place before us? And it's a very, very sobering reminder that it's God's plan and not ours that matters. Do we find ourselves falling into the same trap as this rich man? Are we more concerned with our bank balance going up than we are about people we see around us struggling in ways we maybe don't ask about? Are we more focused on growing our 401k than we are investing the time with those that could use the company of a conversation? How are we using all that God has blessed us with to better our community, our neighbors, or the world? I ask these somewhat rhetorical questions not to say wealth or saving is bad, because that's not the greed Jesus is warning us against, necessarily. Proverbs 21 verses 20 and 21 says, "The wise store up choice food and olive oil, but the fools gulp theirs down. Whoever pursues righteousness and love finds life, prosperity and honor." So we need to do more with what we have than focus on ourselves. And all of this seems to bring me back to motivations and the intentions of all the actions and opportunities we take. So what can we do to make sure we're prioritizing God and the plan he has for the gifts we might have over the worldly distractions and idols that we face on a daily? The short answer is practice. Practice, practice, practice. We have to do something to get good at it. And it won't just happen overnight that we'll go from serving ourselves To serving others. We've got to work at it. We've got to embrace the chances we see and slowly we start to see more and more ways to serve, more and more ways to love others. The starting point to develop those habits could be as simple as some devotional time and just reading the Bible on your own. It was amazing to me when I couldn't sleep on the mission trip this past summer, up bright and early at or before five every day. I grabbed my phone, some paper, and a pen, and just sat in the sanctuary with my headphones on. I had Abide, and you've already won, just on repeat listening to them. I spent some good time just scrolling through my Bible app, looking at all the different verses that I have highlighted. I've highlighted them at some point because I felt they were important and they should be meaningful to me. So I took those verses and wrote some encouraging messages for others on the trip. That way they could see them a day or two later and just... Hopefully, be uplifted. And then the best part about that was, without fail, four or five times during the day, some of those verses that I'd looked at in the morning that were fresh in my mind were referenced or applicable throughout the day for me to see God working. Odds are, if I hadn't spent that devo time in the morning in the Word, those opportunities would have passed me by. Now, All the good sermons that I've heard here, I believe, have a joke in them. So my wife laughed at it this morning. I think it's okay to add. Uh, So the joke goes like this. There was a preacher who fell into the ocean, and he couldn't swim. When a boat came by, the captain yelled, Do you need help, sir? The preacher calmly said, No, God will save me. A little later, another boat came by, and a fisherman asked, Hey, do you need help? The preacher replied again, No, God will save me. Eventually, the preacher drowned and went to heaven. When he got there, the preacher asked God, Why didn't you save me? God replied, Fool, I sent you two boats. (laughs) And that's for me, if if it's not at the front of our mind, if we don't see God working, we're going to miss those opportunities. So when Jesus is asking us to love others as we love ourselves, he's really requesting us for us to put that focus on him, not on the earthly things we sometimes get stuck on or distracted by. As we continue on in Luke 12, we come to verses 32 through 34. They read, Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. Provide purses for yourselves that will not wear out, A treasure in heaven that will never fail, where no thief comes near and no moth destroys. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Now, every time I read those verses, I want them to be encouraging, but every time it feels like such a daunting task to be given. Verse 32 provides such optimism Do not be afraid, little flock, for your father has been pleased to give you the kingdom. God wants to share his kingdom and the glory of his kingdom with us. He wants that relationship with us. But then we get to verse 33. Sell your possessions and give to the poor. What a gut punch. It always feels like more of a gut punch than I want it to. But it's a reminder of, use the gifts you have and the blessings you've been given to help those in need. Because no matter the precautions in place, valuables and treasures of the earth will fade with time. While the love and you show for the glory of God will never fade. As we continue to practice this love, this selflessness and compassion for others, our treasure in heaven grows. Because as verse 34 closes, where your treasure is, where what you value and seek is, your heart is. So we should be seeking God continually and willingly. As Paul wrote in 1 Corinthians 11.1, 1, follow my example as I follow the example of Christ. That's the NIV translation. But other translations simply state, imitate me as I also imitate Christ. We need to willingly and lovingly serve those around us that have those needs, whether they're physical or, more importantly, spiritual. So I pray that we all can listen to the Holy Spirit guiding us to be like Christ when, it co- when sometimes it can be hard to hear. I don't have too many personal examples of those moments where it can't be anything other than the Holy Spirit stepping in, but one that sticks out for me is in the aftermath of the derecho in 2020. Despite the craziness 2020 brought, having two young kids at home and a third a week away, I was fortunate enough to go help clear yards of debris in Midway. The Saturday morning started off Well, helping at a couple houses with a team chainsaw. We climbed on some roofs, cleared some debris off there, got all the branches of the ditch for a couple yards, but then the people I was working with had to leave and had dispersed for other activities that they had to get to that day, other obligations. So I was left with the decision because it wasn't lunchtime yet. Do I go home early, pat myself on the back for a good couple hours of work, or do I look for other ways to help out? Something in my gut told me I couldn't be done just yet, so I went to the Sankey's house because they were kind of the hub for some of the work being done in Midway and in their surrounding area. So as I stood in their yard chatting, killing time, trying to figure out where I could help next, up drives this pickup truck, hauling a trailer with a skid steer, coming to help wherever needed. Prayer answered. Prayer answered. I went with them to a nearby cul de sac to help clear some yards and got to know their family a bit. Now, I say family because this farmer and his wife brought a full truck with three of their four kids, all age, eight and under. They'd driven for three hours. They answered a call for help with no plans of where to sleep or what their weekend would look like. They just came to help those in need. So naturally, I did what any normal person would do with two kids and an extremely pregnant wife at home, and I offered for them to stay at our house. <laughs> My wife said yes, so it turned out to be an amazing and productive weekend, clearing all this derecho damage from yards and roofs. But how different would that weekend have looked if even one of the people involved hadn't stepped at the opportunity that they had been presented. God works good things when we're faithful to his call. Those that step at God's opportunities are blessed in return. The last piece of Luke 12 that we're going to look at provides another reminder of the diligence with which we need to be seeking the opportunities. Luke 12, verses 42 through 48. The Lord answered, Who then is the faithful and wise manager whom the master puts in charge of his servants to give them their food allowance at the proper time? It would be good for that servant servant who the master finds doing so when he returns. Truly I tell you, he will put him in charge of all his possessions. But suppose the servant says to himself, my master is taking a long time in coming, and then he begins to beat the other servants, both men and women, to eat and drink and get drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he does not expect him. At an hour he's not aware of, he will cut him to pieces and assign him with a place with the unbelievers. The servant who knows the master's will and does not get ready or does not do what the master wants will be beaten with many blows. But the one who does not know and does things deserving punishment will be beaten with few blows. From everyone who has been given much, much will be demanded. And from the one who has been entrusted with much, much more will be asked. How is that for a bit of conviction to stay on task? We know God's will for us to love Him, love others, and make disciples of Jesus. It's our church's mission, mission statement, right? So, as it says in verse 45, if we think Jesus is too long from returning and we start seeing ourselves in God's place as the Master, we'll be thrown with the unbelievers which makes sense since we're no longer believing God's authority in that scenario. Verse 47 tells us if we know what we have to do and we fail to do it, it means a beating with many blows. That doesn't sound very encouraging or great. We've been given a huge responsibility. We have been so blessed by God. But verse 48 says, for those that have been given much, much is demanded. And those entrusted with much, much more will be asked or, to quote Spider-Man, with great power comes great responsibility. Within our small group, we contemplated over, that quest- over this question. What would you do if you knew Jesus was coming back next week? And it ties in well with this passage of Luke. Because we just read here that whether it's a week, a decade, or a thousand years until Jesus returns, it shouldn't impact the ambition we take with spreading the gospel, with serving. It may impact certain aspects of our confidence or the urgency with the message, but should it? Why does it? We have a daunting mission to use our gifts to further God's kingdom, not only in our local communities, but wherever we may go or be called to. Each of us is a part of a greater whole, and each of us brings our different gifts to the table— So not everyone's gonna see the same opportunities to grow the kingdom, but all the opportunities are equally important. Whether your gift is comforting others or discernment, leadership or evangelizing, administration or teaching, problem-solving or serving, there'll be opportunities out there for you to meet a need because I know I'm not qualified to do most of those things. The only way to get better at using our gifts is to take the step and fill the needs when we see them. If we don't practice using our God given gifts, what will the value of our life be when the day comes and we're no longer of this earth? We've moved on to be with the Lord. Not everyone will step at the same opportunities because the amazing thing is we're all unique and blessed with very different talents. So we need to be watchful for the ways we can further God's kingdom because sometimes it's only one certain person that's given a responsibility. But the biggest thing we need to avoid is inaction. Remember from James, inaction means you have no faith, essentially, right? So for the many questions we pondered this morning, I hope you've been reminded that God needs to be a priority for our lives. Our treasures should be resting in him and that we need to be diligent, seeking the opportunities to help our neighbors, willingly and continually. For as it says in Matthew 25, verses 35 through 40, for I was hungry and you gave me something to eat. I was thirsty and you gave me something to drink. I was a stranger and you invited me in. I needed clothes and you clothed me. I was sick and you looked after me. I was in prison and you came to visit me. Then the righteous will answer him, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you something to drink? When did we see a stranger and invite you in? When did, or needing clothes and clothe you? When did we see you sick or in prison and go visit you? The king will reply, truly I tell you, whatever you did for the least of these brothers and sisters of mine, you did for me. So helping our neighbors in their needs, whatever they may look like, is serving and helping God. It's not a question of what or who, because we should be seeing all the opportunities helping others as helping God. So I've got just one final two part question to leave you with this morning How is God using your talents for His glory? And what new opportunities will you seek this week, this month, or this year? for God to continue working good through you. Let's pray. Gracious God, I give you thanks for the opportunities you give us and I just pray that the Holy Spirit would continue to work through this congregation and this community to further your kingdom, that you would move mighty things for us to have a positive impact on all of our neighbors near and far. I ask that you would bless this week coming for us, that we would be able to see your glory and see you moving in all things. Amen. So please stand for a word of benediction. I want to leave you with a quote that is generally associated with John Wesley. It says, Do all the good you can, by all the means you can, in all the ways you can, in all the places you can, at all the times you can, to all the people you can, as long as you ever can. Have a blessed week.